Blog Talk Radio. coming late today, starting to show a little bit late. We got some snow here. So, of course, traffic and transit was real, real slow. Held your boy up, your brother up, by at least 12 to 13 minutes. But I'm here to rant with you, live and direct. We got a dope show today. We're going to be discussing a few hot topics. Mainly, we're going to be talking about Four Color Girls, the show with uh, brother Bill Dukes that he put together, uh, not four color girls, I'm sorry, light-skinned girls or light girls. Uh, we're going to be discussing that show. It was on the Oprah Winfrey Network. I got a chance to catch the replay, saw some things that I was like, ah, oh, ah. And I decided I wanted to get some intelligent people on with me to talk about this. I mean, I'm sh- I'm really shocked in 20. 20- 15, the things that we are uh, playing the fool with, the things that we are constantly walking back, the things that we are playing mind games with ourselves. First, it was Dark Girls. And I'm going to be honest with you, even in Dark Girls, there was a couple of things in there that I was like, ah, I'm really not feeling that. Not from the standpoint what uh, I didn't believe what the people were saying. I just felt like, you know, some of these grievances are just grievances of, uh, of just being a human being. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with a complexion per se. And then they come with this light girl, and I'm like, ah, really? What are we trying to say here? So I have uh, the, the the dynamic duo, the husband-wife duo, who created a coma day. They will be joining us. They are going to be dropping hard. I want everybody uh, to tell a mama, tell a friend, we are ranting again. Once again, I do want to apologize to everybody. I just literally got into my house. So uh, I apologize to you. But Monshu and Nuwasha Idu will be along uh, with Brother Adrian Mack. We will be discussing this show. Uh, Brother Adrian had already wrote a little bit about it uh, uh, when he was talking about Raven Simone. And she was, of course, on there. And she said some things that I was like, yeah, on as well. Um, it, it, you know, Black folks, here's something that we got to understand. We are we are coming in some real iffy and shaky times. And it's a lot of stuff that's that's going to happen uh that where I feel like if we're not careful, it's going to be at our own doing. And what I mean by that is we have way too many of us who 
for better or for worse, get mic shoved in their mouths or in their face, and they say certain things, and 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 you think, wow, man, they they really can't be living this life, or they really can't be paying attention, and while the majority of us black people, you know, who have experienced the real thing. While we sit and we shake our head and say, no, that's not true, that's not who those comments are targeted for. They're targeted to uh, white people and other cultural people who don't really know anything about the black experience. So we have to be careful with that. We have to be guarded, and we have to do a lot of correcting and self-correcting ourselves. When you get new information, hey, you know, uh, correct yourself. If you said something wrong, correct that. But if you know a brother or sister is uh, misquoting or misrepresenting, I think that it's important that we start correcting those brothers and sisters and we start challenging them on some of this uh, the stuff that's coming out. Uh, Raven Simone was on there talking about how she had to tan herself repeatedly uh, to feel like she was black. And I'm trying to figure out, like, who, to whom? To whom? To who are you trying to prove that you are black too? Uh, growing up as an African American black male, whatever you want to call yourself, or, or whatever you want to call me, I, I prefer to call myself black. Uh, growing up as a black male, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that light skinned sisters often, and still to this day, got to play. There's no way of escaping that. There's no way of talking around that. I know brothers who literally went out, had children by women of different ethnic backgrounds so that their kids can be light-skinned. One of the first conversations I had in uh, the state of Minnesota was with a brother by the name of Troy. My cousin Dre is, is his uncle. We're hanging out at Troy's house one day. I'm I'm around... 13, maybe 14 years old, and we were going out to the Mall of America, me and Troy. So we stopped over by Troy's house, and Troy, uh, he has a white wife, and he's sitting there talking to us about girls, and we, we're talking about the kind of girls we like, and, and he told us flat out, he said, man, I had my children by this woman, my wife, because I wanted my kids to be light-skinned. I wanted my kids to be beautiful. Those are his words. Those are his words. So when I, when I, sit back and I think about how brothers all through high school on back were chasing after sisters who were light-skinned, whether they had white mothers or not. I don't recall cats even questioning whether someone was black or not. That wasn't even a question. And, and I want to bring this up because I feel like it's important when we say certain things, that we keep the context in mind. Who's going to see it, when they're going to see it, and when they're going to hear it? When they're going to hear it? My wife, who's dark-skinned, and she told me something the other day. She said, you know, these people, they're complaining about folks asking them, are they mixed with something? Are they black? They're never uh, black enough. She said, but just imagine being in my shoes and being told I was too black or I was ugly because I was dark-skinned. These women aren't hearing that they are ugly because they're light-skinned. Now, just just imagine this. You a adolescent girl, 
You're told every day by your parents how pretty you are. You're in school. And every boy passes you by. Not calling you pretty. Because you're, cause you're complexion. Or if they do call you pretty, the saying is you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl. So today we, we got to discuss this. We got to talk about the show. I got a few clips I'm going to play for you of the show. I hope you go out uh, and check out this uh, this, this documentary. Uh, big up to Bill Dukes for doing it. I might disagree on some of the slant. And, and then part of the reason why I disagree, I'll tell you during the show. But we got to start questioning certain things, and we got to start pushing the envelope. So that's one thing. The other thing we want to talk about, we want to talk about the Super Bowl. Did you see the Super Bowl? Yeah, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about was it really, really uh, the Seahawks not wanting to give Marshawn Lynch the ball so Marshawn could win the game? Was that what it really was about? Or are we making more out of it than what it was? So we're going to have that conversation. And, hey, listen, I know some people are going to be sitting at home tonight. They're going to get real emotional. This topic is a hot topic. I've had this topic in uh, my relationship group and as well as uh, the, the group, the rant. And I'm going to tell you something. Even amongst the conscious community, this is a hot-button topic. And nobody truly want to touch it. This is one of the things that people stay away from. So tonight, we're like, yo, forget all that. We're we, we going to go to it. Uh, we ain't scared of it. We ain't going to run from it. Uh, I, you know, that's, uh, that's what time it is. You know, we, we are, we are really, uh, trying to, uh, get busy on these things and debunk these things. We we really got to stop punking out. That's what it is. And we have to be upfront and, and, and honest. Now here's something that I found funny, right? Now, me and my brother Travis, we always had this conversation. We'd be like, well, we brown-skinned, man. We ain't light-skinned. We ain't dark-skinned. We always been in. We ain't worried about that. We don't. We, we right in the middle. Being in the middle, right, being in the middle, I got a dark-skinned father. I love my father. Got a dark-skinned sister. I think my sister's beautiful. I got light-skinned aunties. I, I never even questioned. It's, it's hard for me to question light-skinned people. I've seen my auntie's father. I know her father's black. I've seen my auntie's mother. My grandmother, I know she's black. So I never questioned those things. I've never questioned those things. I've never had anyone question mine. So I don't want to speak down to the validity of people and their concerns. So I want to say that first. But this is going to be hot. I'm waiting on my panelists to come in so we can get started. I think we got our first one. Yes, we do. Brother Agent Mac, what's going on? Good evening, Brother Rico. How you doing? Good to hear your voice. Oh, brother, I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm happy to hear your voice, too. Hey, now, before we get started, let me ask you this. Oh, man. What did you think about that last second call with Seattle? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, we we got a debate going on over at the office, brother, and we're trying to decide if this coach, along with the, the um, quarterback, did everything they can to strip Marshawn Lynch from becoming an MVP and keeping the attention centered around his, 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 his intelligence and his smartness as an athlete. So a lot of us 
including myself, think that there might have been some motive to try not to let him get the ball and make that last winning touchdown to take the game into victory. And it's because of this brother being political, conscious, and raising some attention to athletes and their plight in the NFL. I, you know what, and, and I'm, 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 I'm tiptoeing on that line too. I've, I've talked about that. I, w- I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, you know what, man, that possibly could be it. But I don't want to say it. I don't want to be wrong. Then somebody brought up the fact that he did get the ball and got stopped short on the one. But I just wanted yeah. to talk about that. I. Real quick, we'll talk about that towards the back of the show. I don't want to make that the main focal point because we got a hot-button topic. I want people to call in and actually uh, give their opinion on this particular show. Brother Adrian, did you get a chance to catch some or all of the Light Girls uh, documentary? I didn't recently. Um, It's one of those that I watched last summer and was really, I was impressed with it, just the conversations that came up, the people that they interviewed, some of the responses. I wish I would have been able to just chime in over the last week just to review it again and draw some notes. But I got the gust and the concept of it, and I know where Duke was trying to go with it. So, So what do you think about where he was trying to, what do you think about where he was trying to go with it? You know, I think, you know, and it's and it's interesting because when you're talking about Bill Dukes, you know, you look at the brother's complexion and when he came into fame as an actor, as a writer, um, and you have to ask yourself what was his own personal experience and struggles, let alone what did he grow up in his own family and witness right. and have to experience. And I think, you know, with this his message subliminally or more overtly, I think he wanted to just raise the conversation again to uh, a public level. How do black folks deal with colorism within their own community, within their own conversations, and is this still a relevant hot topic for us to discuss? Um, Mm -hmm. Are we having strong conversations of healing when it comes to how we perceive ourselves as black people, particularly black women, how they perceive themselves, and the color complexity that society puts on um, different shades of brown um, and how society absorbs and appreciates and, um, um, and put an icon around certain complexions versus others and what those messages do to black women as far as their identity development, um, their self-esteem, and their self-perception in their own personal eyes as well as the perception of the community. And I, I think he did a good job of raising that. Now, if he had a more concrete direction or a particular lesson that he was hoping to arrive or get his audience to arrive to, I didn't quite get that. And maybe that's just my ignorance, but I didn't get that from the documentary. You know, and that's one of the things that I got from it too, brother. I didn't get a sense of uh, neither the dark girls or the light girls. I didn't get a direction. I, I got a lot of people who were, you know, pretty much giving their point of view. And, and, and I want to say, in, in both, uh, it was a slanted point of view because a lot of it was just pretty much from their personal experience. And I don't, I don't think sometimes as human beings that we ask particularly why do people treat us a certain way. So we just assume, hey, you know, um, 
I didn't, you know, this this boy didn't like me because I was dark skinned. He liked that girl because she was light skinned. Or uh, black people don't like me uh, because of my complexion. Which I here's the thing, mm-hmm. and I, I find it, I, I'm just finding it hard knowing the value that we place on lighter skin in our communities to see a sister rejected by brothers because of her complexion. Now, I, right. I can see, I can see the ladies having a problem because, hey, some sisters are just fine, man. They ain't got nothing else to talk about but your complexion, whether you're dark skin or light skin. They ain't got nothing else on you. You're just beautiful. So all they can talk about is your complexion. But I have a hard time believing that we're not accepting our light-skinned brothers and sisters. Uh, Brother Adrian, mm-hmm. uh, am I wrong or am I ignorant on that? No, I, man, I comply with you, brother. It's, 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 it's very complex. And, I mean, um, pulling what I remember from the documentary is I'm, I'm surprised that a lot of the interview people that he brought on to voice their personal experience, let alone their research or um, their angle, um, it, it 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 drove the conversation internally to where it was a conversation within black folks. And it was only a few times, I, if I remember correct, there was one sister who she she battled with this her whole life and then she eventually arrived at a, and, and find some forgiveness to that core hurt of being teased because of her complexion and her her gorgeous uh, nose, her lips, and everything, and her hair, and and I think um, she, I think she was one of the only few within the documentary who discussed it in terms of the public ill of white supremacy and racism, and how that internalized doctrine of ideas has manifested itself in how women perceive themselves and their color complexion. But there was very few drawing connections to that. And that was just interesting to me because I, I wanted to see if the documentary will explore more of that angle, but it didn't. It just rested on the internal dialogue and the complications that black folks have. So I, I agree. On a personal level, it does, you know, it, it perplexes me that we have been kind of framed in such a way where our attraction and our definition of attraction is still being informed by messages of white supremacy that we've internalized and accepted as beauty, you know, and we still look at lighter skin or now the popularized features of dark skin to look a certain way. And when we talk about color complexion, we also have to talk about the associated features of our of our uh, our phenotype, our nose and our lips and our hair, because those things are still associated with um, the complexion thing, deeply associated. Um, so I think, you know, it's it, it, yeah, it raised some serious questions. It raised some serious pieces. And I'm like you, I'm still kind of drawn back. And, and this is just for my people. I'm not worried about what anybody outside of our community perceives us as far as our complexion, but amongst our people, that we still haven't fully investigated and addressed that amongst us, and we're still dealing with 
color complexion and colorism, white supremacy internalized in our messages and how we perceive ourselves. No, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a I saw a segment on with Oprah that she had Felicia Rashad, Gabrielle Union, and uh, what's the sister that plays on um, Alfred Woodard, and the sister that plays on Murder by Numbers, the dark skinned beautiful sister. Murder by Numbers. Murder by Numbers. Uh, okay, the name. Go ahead. But yeah, the sister. So they were talking about colorism, and they were talking about uh, you know how it still exists. And they, and they did bring up the fact, they, they brought up the slave concept, but then someone said, but we're still continuing it. And when I heard that, I was thinking to myself. <laughs> like, it's out, like it's only us continuing it, that society doesn't right. need going on. Right. <laughs> and, when I, and, and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, see, that's the trap right there. That That's the trap. That That's how they get us time and time again. We start believing it's just us doing it. No, what it is is we're like, uh, for all intents and purposes, not trying to diss my people, but we're like rats in the maze in a lot. Uh, we're trying to find our way through it, and we're trying to do and and have or be with whoever we feel is successful in the society. Everybody wants success. So if the dominant culture is telling you, that's what they're accepting. Light skin, European features, nine times out of ten, that is what our children is going to gravitate to. Now, what I don't want to do, I personally, I don't want to alienate or even point the finger at my lighter brothers and sisters for this. I've always said, the thing that we should be doing as a people, we should be playing that game back on these folks. Well, hey, you can accept them. That That's what makes you happy, cool, accept them. But when they get in the door, what they should be doing is looking out for our collective great, our collective interests. Uh, we, you know, uh, we, we can't control what white people like and don't like, but we can control mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we react to what they put out there for us. And uh, it was an interesting conversation I, I saw on CNN with Don. Uh, what's the brother? Uh, what white guy name? Michael. Uh, no, no, Tim Wise. Tim, Tim Wise, yeah. Don Lemon, some white lady and a brother on there. And it was about the Michael Brown shooting. And they were talking about the complexities of racism in America. And this is what the white lady said. She said it doesn't matter because in a couple of years we'll all be, uh, she said we'll all be uh, beige or or light-skinned anyway. And when I heard that, the first thing that came to my mind, Brother Adrian, was, okay, they ain't trying to bleed us out anymore, right? They trying to breed us out. (laughs) Mm. They trying to breed Mm. us out. Wow. And, if you think about television, when we complained about having dark-skinned sisters on TV, they said, okay, we'll give you some dark-skinned sisters on TV. But guess what? Those dark-skinned sisters are rolling around in the bed with who? Light-skinned brothers or the white guys. So they're, they're preaching that to us constantly. They're constantly hitting us with, 
with, with just, just in my opinion, things to, to touch our subconscious. Now, let, let, let's talk about human nature. Human nature, human beings, if you're attracted to somebody, you're attracted to them one way or another. That's true. Be in denial on how media has played a large part in deciding and depicting what's attractive, what's not attractive, who one should be with and who one shouldn't be with. Uh, can you speak on that a little bit, Brother Adrian? I agree. Um, I think and I think that's where we – I'm not no scientist in this area, so don't quote me as being no relationship expert or anything, but I got a theory that human beings are naturally attracted to whatever they prefer, right? Um, right. Whatever, well, not whatever, but instinctually. As, as, as part of us being uh, kind of dominant over the animal kingdom and a part of the animal kingdom, we're always going to have physical attraction to um, uh, our species. When right. it comes to peripheral, um, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I'm not getting that word right. When it comes to um, what we prefer, when it comes to our ideal mental concept of um, 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 what we like, those things tend to be informed by messages, social media messages, and our customary messages that we grew up with in our background and our experience. So, so what we prefer tends to be informed by the dominant idea of society or the strong ideas that uh, convey through our, um, our our family upbringing. And those ideas can be associated with white supremacy. And this is where it gets complex for me, is that you are attracted to this person, and this person might not be of the same hue to you, different ethnicity, if you want to call it race, different race. Is it, you are you attracted to that person because of a denial or a misconception of people who look like you? Or are you genuinely attracted to that person because you see some commonality or you see something there in that person's personality that makes you drawn to that person? And these are mental images. These are messages that we tell ourselves. You know, so to a deeper level, do black women prefer white men because Mm. there's something about that white man that they're just really, that they really adore? Or is it because they have a disdain against black men or they just have a a contempt against black people and they prefer to associate with um, white men only. And it's the opposite on the other side of the gender. Do, um, uh, uh, um, um, do white, do black brothers, do brothers prefer white females because they have a horrible misconception of what black women is about, their personality, their style, their, their, uh, you know, their mode of operation and, and what it represents for them, and do they prefer that white woman because they feel like it gives them access. It gives them a level of uh, kingdomhood or a or, 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 or ruler or some type of, does it affirm a, a false aspect of their manhood um, that a black woman won't allow them to do? These are some of those deeper level questions when it comes to when we talk about attraction versus what we prefer you know, in um, somebody, our counterpart. So when it comes to the color complexity to that, 
You, some of those, those, those questions of what we prefer and what we're attracted to has these social messages and has these broader implications that we don't always talk about. Mm. And, and that's something that I feel like as a people, part of it is because we, you know, we've dropped the ball because we don't have these discussions. And we don't, here's something that I found in the conversations um, when I talk to brothers and sisters who are light-skinned. Um, I, I think they almost felt like it's a slap in the face to their ego, if you will, for someone to be attracted to them based off their complexion versus their intellect, uh, just the human being that they are, you know, just the person that they are in general. Um, so they find it hard to accept. And then I, I find that people who have been picked on or people who have been told, hey, you're so dark you can't come into my house at the beginning of the year, you know, some of that old, uh, some of those old uh, rituals that we have in our community that uh, really had disdain for people with darker hue, the paper bag test and things of that nature, people who suffer through that, uh, those people feel like, you know, it's almost a slap in their face for them who feel like they've had doors closed on them based off their complexion by the dominant society. Not the, hey, are you black or do you, do you got some, you know, do you got some something else in you besides black in you uh, from people who can't determine whether you're going to work tomorrow or whether you're going to feed your family. Because let's face it. Uh, while those things might sting you because it's coming from your own people inside your ethnicity, black people really don't control shit in this country, right? True. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's a different kind of sting, if, if you get what I'm saying, Brother Adrian. Um, oh, we it, got, is. it is. We got Brother O, uh, he wants to call in, he wants to say something. Brother O, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Um, hey, good evening, brother Olu. How you doing, uh, brother Adrian? Good to hear from you, brother Barry. It's always good to to hear uh, the wisdom and intellect y'all both drop. Um, unfortunately, I haven't seen either one of the documentaries, but I am familiar with Bill Dukes, and uh, I am definitely familiar with being a black man. And uh, I'd like to offer up maybe a slightly different view, at least from from me personally. Um, as a child, I grew up in Nigeria for the first four or five years of my life. And um, my mother raised my brother and I with the viewpoint that every shade of black is beautiful. And one of the first misnomers that my mother grew up with in Alabama was that uh, the light-skinned African-American was uh, the definitive uh, advent, I guess, or it came about because of the mixture of white people with black people during slavery. Well, we went to some deep parts of Nigeria and met some light-skinned Nigerians, met some dark-skinned Nigerians in the, in the same family sometimes. Um, so my viewpoint has always been uh, what I was taught initially, that every state is beautiful. Now, that being said, shortly after moving back to the States, especially moving down south, was when I noticed, 
from a lot of my peers that were my age, their idea of beauty when it came to the opposite sex was the light-skinned girl with the wavy hair. Mm. And they thought I was the oddball because I was like, yeah, she's pretty, but so is the dark-skinned girl with the the, the coarse hair. It, it really didn't make a difference uh, to me then. It doesn't make a difference to me now. But as an adult, I can see where generations past and parents and uh, grandparents have passed down this view. Um, to me, it's always been a decisive one. And um, the best way to overcome it is to encourage um, our children to see the beauty within themselves, but to see the beauty within everybody else. There's, there's no right. difference. Well, let me ask you um, this, brother. O. Let me ask you this, two. because we we got it. We, we got to keep it. We got to keep it real. It's ran radio. I mean, it's, it's easy to say that. Hey, we you know we we definitely got to We we got to see that. But how are we going to do that when we are ingrained with so many so much imagery? There's no accident that we got Beyonce as the sexiest black woman on the planet right now. These little girls are saying they want to be Beyonce no matter what the shade is. Now, don't get me wrong, Beyonce is fine. So is Alicia Keys. But when was the last time we had a dark-skinned sister who was famous, who sung, who represented for all the ladies? It's been a minute. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Hold on. I disagree. I disagree. Let me follow up with another question. Okay. Oh, India Ari. No, no, and and, and I'm glad you brought her up. Because India Ari, in my opinion, is a beautiful sister, Right. In your mind, she's beautiful. In Brother O's mind, she's beautiful, right? Right. But we're talking about how our children are being having these things, these things pushed to them. And it's not pushed. I mean, it's pushed by the media. But we have to, you know, the culpability is on us too. Because let's flip it on the, other, on the male side. And we're, we're talking, and I said this a couple of weeks ago to Brother O and uh, uh, Brother Augustus. I said, man, if Neo was a light-skinned brother, We'll be talking about he was the second coming of Michael Jackson. If he looked more like Chris Brown. So we but we I, have that on both sides, the male and the female side. Y'all go ahead. Uh, can I answer can I answer the question? Yes, go ahead. Alright. Um I don't wanna mispronounce her name, but the young African sister, I think it's Lupita or Lupita, Mayang. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. played in 12 years of slaves. Her star is rising, and a lot of young sisters inspired to be her. Um, to answer was the last time we had a doctor sister lead the way. Uh, and I also agree with you that society, that they want the closest thing to them to, to represent us. That, that That's nothing new. Right. Um, I will say that there was an undercurrent in the early 90s. I remember... He had a lot of uh, sideways conversations about dark-skinned men and women. But I remember in the early 90s, for whatever reason, dark-skinned brothers came in style all of us. Um, when it comes to that issue, we are people as a people. And I don't think we really understand or take the time to understand what type of psychological damage we do to each other playing those dangerous games. Right. No, I, I, I understand when, that, uh, brother. Go ahead. 
No, oh, Brother, yeah, I wanted I you to jump in. No, I truly, truly agree with Brother O, and I think those are some, um, like, excellent questions, Thomas. I mean, these pieces have affected people's outcomes and careers. And um, there was a point, and, and, and I like what Oda Lewis said, is that when we investigate when so-called dark-skinned brothers came in style, we have to ask the question, who controlled that narrative? Who publicized that? Was it um, was it finally Wesley Snipes landing some powerful roles that put a dark-skinned brother in the face of the American Hollywood scene and became a box office, and somebody said, uh, associated this features and complexion with sexy. And the hard thing about dark skin, quote-unquote, coming in style during this time, and you had this with the model scene, with certain rappers, because, you know, even rappers, we, right. whether what complexion we were or not, in the 90s, if you had the skills and you had the right production and the label behind you, you could have been light skin or dark skin. You were going to get some pub. So hip-hop paved the way courageously despite what Hollywood and what popular media and the dominant culture um, tried to create a narrative. But when it came to Hollywood, you had it very selective. And I fast mm. forward to now because I've always asked this question since Barack Obama got elected on his first term. Would he have had the political success as being a presidential candidate if he mm. had the same complexion as Bernie Mac? Would, he would have, if he would have had the same message, same style of charisma, but looked it like Bernie Mac, would he have been successful? And that's no. the question. I, I wanna, I'm going to stop there because <laughs> I, people say, yeah, he still would have got elected. No. Like Brother Olu said, like you said earlier, Thomas, the color complexion question still exists, not only for the sisters, and I love what Bill Dukes did, but it also exists amongst both genders, even amongst the brothers, as far as what, like you said, Thomas, giving us access to being successful in this country or not. And that's my response so far. Go ahead. Brother, you want to hop back in? Uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 first off, that's a very, very good question, number one. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd have to say I would lean on the side of him not winning the election, for whatever reason, uh, heavily melanated brothers and sisters uh, throughout history have been frowned upon. Um, and that's a good question. Who decided that dark-skinned brothers was in style again? Was it us as a community or was it Hollywood that saw maybe a potential drawing power from somewhere they'd never seen it before? I don't know what, what caused the narrative to change or to shift. But I do know this, that uh, I didn't necessarily get caught in the upswing, but I remember receiving a lot more compliments after Wesley Snipes. And uh, what was the brother on New York undercover? Anybody remember his name? That was Malik Yoba. After Malik Yoba became popular, I, I noticed a, a shift myself. Um but that's essentially the question. Who decides that? I, I tell you something I wish that, that we could do as a people, and it's almost impossible now with social media, but there were certain things about us as a people that only we knew. 
and within our culture, whether it was right or wrong, whether it was good or bad, Rico, you know it. You know, I know it. You know, us as the brothers, we know it. The outside world wouldn't know. So how much influence can you have on something you don't know? But as we shared our music and shared our stories and our narratives with the world, it's come, it's come under attack and it's been changed. So I wonder, what can we do to get control of that back? Well, that's that, that's the that's that's something down the line. We can't can't start it. We still in the middle of the show. Can't go from there now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that towards the end of the show, brother. Oh, but I, I want to tell you who started that was Big Daddy Kane, actually. Big Daddy yep, Kane before Western yep. Nights got popular. Kane won one of the. Uh, he was uh, I think the top ten sexiest men in the world. So Big Daddy Kane actually was wow. the one who brought that back. So that's who brought the Dark Skin Brothers back. It was Big Daddy, and then when Big Daddy fell off, Wesley uh, uh, carried the torch. And let's not forget, I always bring this up, in the 90s, we were moving on our pro-black kick. Mm. I remember, we were rocking medallions, you know, right. we cross colors. I mean, we, we was really on it. So we were taking a different turn in the 90s. Um, you know, and think about school days, uh, was it late 80s? Uh, so that was a topic of conversation. So it was a lot of fact that was put on our head about uh, not only just skin complexion, but remember uh, the Spike Lee movie. So we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of uh, positive media, if you will. And I call it positive because it forced us to think. And it, and it caused us... Uh, to review some of the things of what we call beauty. And we started, in my opinion, we started accepting um, the sisters a little bit more for who they were. They're more than natural beauty. Now, you know, in the words of Sinbad, uh, things have changed because now we got black women going to get butt implants. How did that start? Yeah. But, but that's another topic. Uh, we have another caller. Let me bring this call in. Welcome to Rant Radio. Uh, caller, state your name. Uh, is it? Am I on? This is Ruben. Yes, you are. You know, so I, you know, as I you know look to summarize kind of what I'm hearing for the brothers, I do think I would like to challenge some of the perspectives. Of course, I hear okay. when I think about action or naturally, there's there's always a biological <laughs> perspective, right? And when I think of who we are as a black people, we always been many shades, right? And we always had an instinctual biological attraction to certain things, and I think that attraction has shifted over time. Uh, the next perspective I think I'm hearing is a, we guys put a heavy emphasis on sociocultural perspective, meaning that society can give you messages to inform your aesthetics of beauty. I like to challenge that because if you look at what is, what is now the popularized shape of a woman, that is a black shape, right, of a black woman, right? And so you talk about little Kim and things like that. So I want to just first just want to challenge that because what you guys really are arguing is that is a neurological perspective. Are we easily influenced by our minds influenced to choose what is beautiful versus what, what, what versus what we are, right? So you can literally, can you really change a person's mentality to think they're ugly? And when you guys talked about when did blacks become popularized, I had to challenge that again. Sydney oh, Poitier no, not blacks. We, not blacks. It was dark, uh, dark skin, dark skin. Dark, dark skin, skin brothers. brothers. Sydney Poitier was a global sex, sex symbol. And this is way before any of us even thinking about it, I go through Jim Brown was a global sex symbol. You know what I mean? 
you know. Mm. And so we forget that because the media has, yes, is tried to shift. They put a heavy emphasis on shifting to a light is right, right? But it has mm. not worked. It has not sustained mm. itself, right? And so I would challenge it on all levels. And in our community, yeah, we see ignorance play out, but I don't think that's the dominant view. But Ruben, you're emphasizing particular people versus a masses of people. Even though Harry Belafonte was the go-to Hollywood person in the 60s to the 70s, I mean, not Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte came up and didn't even have as near, I think, as near as acting skills and, pro- and proudness as Sidney Poitier, but in the taking the worldwide um, social scheme by storm with a few movies. And I think because of Harry Belafonte's not only association with the civil rights movement, but him being a lighter complected person through exploitation and through various Hollywood mediums was able to be marketed ten times more quicker than Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, nobody really knew that brother's real complexion until 1971, 1972, when we started recasting some of those 60 movies in color. So in the 60s, when they casted this brother, they, 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 they did everything they can to try to lighten his complexion. Even mm. on Jet Magazine, when he showed up in Jet, they, they, mm. they threw his complexion a few shades lighter just to make sure he's more sellable and make sure he's more marketable. So it's different when we're talking about these particular successes versus what was common, a common trend um, pushed by these larger social control mechanisms. And you know what, let me add this. Let me add this, too. I want to say that in in general, what we see now is, in in my opinion, is a lot of mockery (laughs) of the black woman. And I, you know, and, and a lot of imitation of the black woman, if you will, uh, her body shape. Yeah, a lot of people are, are are aiming for that, but at the same time, um, if you look at us as a as a collective, we're losing more and more of our physical prowess that we had once had. Uh, we we're not even shaped like we used to be shaped anymore, and part of that is because we've bought into a lot of the dominant culture. I was talking to a sister two years ago at a uh, housewarming party. Sister was from Kenya, and she was talking to me. She lives in St. Louis, and she was talking about how she has been in the United States for 15 years, and she said that she's noticing the difference in African-American women's shape and how it is constantly changing. And she doesn't know if it's diet or if it's things that they're doing because culturally we're being told that it's unacceptable. Now, before you say that that may not be true, they've done studies and they've noticed, even on the, 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 the islands in Fiji, they've noticed how the Fiji people who used to kind of like their uh, women to be robust and big, they noticed that that has changed a lot in their culture. And the one thing that they pointed to for that change is that their access to the world via Internet and social media. So their women are changing their body type. So it's having an effect on us as a people, as African Americans. Uh, go ahead, caller. Caller? Oh, he's wrapped up. 
Uh, but your no, brother Adrian. Adrian. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yes, you are, brother. No, I, I missed the comment. Was there a question for me? Oh, yeah. No, that was a comment. I was, I was giving you a, I was giving you a comment when I was talking about the the women inside of uh, Fiji uh, changing their body types uh, due to having access to social media and things of that nature. They're no longer wanting to have the robust build that they once had because they're yeah. they're watching social media and, and things of that nature, and now they're becoming more skinnier. You, you know, it's interesting to me because what we see in the media is opposite in what we see in, in, in the in the dominant community. Look at the mm. first. Uh, look at the um, look at tanning salon. The invention of the idea of a tanning salon, and it's intense. Mm. Look at lotion. <laughs> look at tanning lotion. Look at the spray paint of skin. Right. What we see right. is that they try to promote an image, but what they're acting upon and what you see them doing is totally opposite. So, again, I want to challenge the notion. I think the media is promoting a little bit of propaganda, but what society is doing is a lot different. No, and, and I get point. that. I, I feel that. I feel that. I, I feel that. But but let's be, let's be real about the tanning. Uh, when you see anybody imitating you, right, <laughs> normally they're trying to replace you. You know, the same people that we see playing uh, Cleopatra on television. And they're telling kids and, and they're teaching kids that the Egyptians was white. So it's just a matter of time before, uh, look look at the twerking phenom. Miley Cyrus started doing it, and now they act like sisters haven't been doing it. Sister Luke days and before. So to me, I, it's kind of, it, it's, 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 it's like culture vultures, if you will, or culture bandits. A lot of the things that we've 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 uh, I know Brother Travis had asked about culture. A lot of things that kind of been the staple of our culture has been lifted as of late, and it's been lifted. Uh, people have used it. People have ran with it, and when they run with it, uh, it's out of our hands. It's out of our control. And we almost don't even have any say-so in that anymore. And that goes back to the color aspect. If you think about the women on television, I, I challenge anyone, go through your news, whether it's the local news, whether it's the, the, the cable news, and look and see the features or the complexions of the news uh, cast members. It's rare that you'll see, uh, you know, broad noses and thick lips. Or coarse hair. Everybody has to have a perm. The majority of the the, the cast has to be light skinned, and they've done studies and they show that light skinned black folks actually make white people feel at ease. So I mean, the stu- are the studies wrong, or or you know, are we wrong? Steve, hey, good segue. I think I can't argue against the studies. Um, I don't I don't even think we need the studies um, to be able to prove that piece. Throughout history, we've always seen narratives and tales of white folks being more accommodating, more at ease, and more comfortable with lighter complexion. And um, and this has everything to do with the social formation and the structure of how white, um, white supremacy um, permeated every institution, every um, aspect of social life. Um, in this country, from slavery to reconstruction to the development of biz, uh, business, industrialization, 
all the way into the corporate and information world. Um, and even when you associate light skin with no facial hair, which is a lot of people have theories about, and um, and and um, and and no locks or slick back hair or something like that, or hair that's more fine. Um, white ideology convinces white folks that the more akin they are to being further away from African features, the more they can feel more comfortable with. And I think that just speaks to the inherent social conditions of um, um, that blended class of people that at one point in time existed um, in this country. We know that... um, when uh, the planters class, which was usually either English or um, another European descendants, owned slaves, owned African descendants, when they um, raped, most of the times they raped uh, the slave, they produced um, um, what the, the racism def- uh, defined as uh, half-breeds or octorooms or all of this other um, nonsense type of uh, labeling. And that planter class or that owning class knew that they had this genetic connection, genetic connection to um, that African descendant, even though they still considered them uh, less than them, um, inferior to them, and had that Negro bloodline in them. They had more of a, a comfortability towards that that individual because it, there was a lighter complexion to them, and there was a lot of pseudoscience that supported it. Going back to science. Um, a lot of pseudoscience that supported that the more um, the more a person had uh, this European blood or this and the, the, the less Negro running in their veins, the more they were more refined and and evolving on this uh, social ladder, social uh, ladder or scale of evolution. That was the false reality and the false premises that was con- that was considered true for more than half the existence of this country. So I think that's an, kind of an inherited notion that exists today. Not all white folks believe that, but I think far too many do, where if you have me walking down the street compared to one of my lightest skinned brothers, they will feel more closer um, and more comfortable and at ease with my lightest skinned brother versus someone looking at me who has a dark complexion and has certain features. So I, don't, I think science as well as just the inheritance of, um, our social history um, demonstrates that that's a true reality. No, most definitely. And you know, here's another study that they've done, and we, we're just talking about simple, just simple, small things. Because, and and you know, like I said once again, the way I was raised, you know, I I, I got a large family, so we got every complexion of black in our fa- in my family. So I don't, I've never really saw. Um, my light skin aunties or cousins being treated as if they're not one. Now, did someone crack uh, jokes on them based off their complexion? I think that's like some inside reading that we do regardless. No matter how you look, no matter what your genetic makeup is, black people, man, we we hey, when it comes to uh, cracking jokes on one another, that's that's what we do. And other cultures do it as well. They 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 call. Uh, I mean, hey, just think about it over in English. What what's a Brit? <laughs> Compared to you know to a you know a Brit a blue blood and, and those things, uh, so every every ethnic group, every culture kind of has its own its own particular slant. The issue is when you take a look at it, and we're talking about light girls, and then you go further and you say, but now they're even thinking on the census of giving 
uh, so-called biracial people their own particular class. And then you have to ask, who's taking that, that step further? Is it dark-skinned people saying, no, they're not one of us? Or is it them saying, we don't feel like we are a part of this black collective? And once again, racism or white supremacy is at the root of this. And we're still going at each other versus dealing with the root. Mm, That's true. But, you know, to speak to a point that you just mentioned, I don't want to... I don't want to kind of, and I'm I'm not saying you're doing this, but I don't want to water down the experience of my lighter skinned brothers and sisters. Um, right. a critical, uh, and it's a critical but harsh experience growing up, you know, and dealing with the insults that come from us as a people, because mm-hmm. as much as we, in a social construct, got demeaned because of our dark, because of our dark complexion. We internalized those messages and turned around and took it out on our lighter-skinned brothers and sisters in our families. So right. when Bill Dukes in his documentary talked, interviewed some of our lighter-skinned sisters, and they talked about how hard it was growing up amongst their own people because they was um, they was uh, ridiculed and insulted and and a lot of times attacked because of their light-skinned complexion. I think that's a real reality. And I think we have to speak to that because in some in, in every way it's man is a manifestation of the manifestation of the reality of how conflicting and how troublesome white supremacy has mortared, war, uh, um, um, and, uh, thwarted and, and just demented our thinking as it comes to how we view ourselves as a people and our own self perception. Um I, I think night skin sisters went through a lot. I mean in my, in my own right. personal experience, I've seen some of my own family members who are lighter complected go through some harsh experiences with the darker skin family members because they had the the hair that was more straight and they didn't have to use um, a curling iron or they didn't need a perm or because their nose was shaped a certain way. Or And, of course, their skin being lighter complected or their eyes were of a, of a certain hue. I mean, and I'm not right. saying that that was the full reality of us because in a larger society, darker-skinned people as well as in the family had was demeaned because of their complexion. And we, right. and, and unfortunately, it's a reality amongst our people that we have to contend with because we're growing up still today with these messages. And I think Bill Dukes did a good job of finding those particular people who can speak to that. You know, you know what 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 I what I find from it, and you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, I definitely don't want to uh, kind of uh, uh you know, their experience. What what I what I find from it is just simply hurt people, and when you're dealing with an oppressed people, and the oppression is coming based off of just their melanin or their hue alone. Mm-hmm. Then of course they're going to look to oppress others who they feel like they can. I mean, um, there's um, there's always when you're the oddball in any collective group, uh, you're going to always have questions. It's not just in 
it's not just inside of African American ranks. Asians have that issue as well. Uh, they right. they have the, what they what they deem half breed, and they don't have respect for half breed either. And part of it is because of the oppression of white folks. And mm. you know it, it's um, it, it's you know it, it's a lot of reacting. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a lot of reacting uh, to the oppressive uh, regiment that people have been through. That's why they they talk uh, towards uh, some of our light skinned brothers and sisters. Some of us do. Now I, I just and I don't I, I don't want to take away from that struggle and that pain. You, you definitely don't want to do that. But I also would be foolish uh, to not point out some of the gains that I that I made and given based off of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and that's the thing that we have to talk about. Those are the things that we have to say. You know what? Maybe as a people, we have been a little too hard on each other based off of the complexion thing. But on the flip side. Here's how we can use it for our advantage. Because instead of us fighting with one another, we see y'all get favor. Well, hey, let's 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 use that favor for our collective good. But let's also teach our sons and daughters that there is a value in all complexions of black people. And that should be the number one goal. Uh whether it's um whether it's light girls Light boys, dark girls, dark boys. It should be uh, like that slogan uh, for the uh, for the uh, people who are protesting around the country. Black lives matter. That, that's the main thing. Black lives do matter. Black women of all complexions are important. Uh, black men of all uh, complexions are important. And I feel that is what we should be trying to hammer home, brother Adrian. I agree. I think so. Um, but again, you know me, I always have this uh, theory on what's the internal front and what's external. And what your mm-hmm. uh, suggestion as a campaign is definitely an internal pro- um, point of uh, healing, an internal front of uh, addressing our own internal needs um, and what's necessity for us as a people to continue to rid ourselves and purge ourselves of white supremacist script that um, forms our mental outlook. Um, but it doesn't take away from the importance and necessity of Black Lives Matter as a upfront social movement and uh, a political movement to bring awareness and attention to police brutality. They're two different right. fronts, but I think there has to be um, an address to that, an address to how we lead a full campaign within our own peoplehood to affirm and validate all sorts of all different shades of complexion and continue to um, address our own messages of how we perceive ourselves. There has to be a national campaign. What's that one that deals with the sisters? What is it? Um, um, Black Girl Black Girl Rock. Rock. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that because it's a national movement um, that deals with. Um, I, I've seen not only are they promoting 
black sisters in the sciences and the arts um, and just making sure that young girls have an experience growing up feeling um, supported by their community and career focus. But I've seen different um, programs and different projects that they've taken on that dealt with the colorism and color complexity issue in our community and how they promoted dark-skinned sisters um, to have validity in their own complexion. I like, uh, what's my sister's name, um, who, who's here? Um, um, I can see her face, uh, um, 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 Hickman. Um, she has this uh, um, Robin Hickman. She has the Skin I Man movement, um, and it's based off of uh, Sharon, I think it's Sharon Drake, or it might be Sharon Flake, so I get them to all the Sharon G. Flake's um, book, The Skin I Man, and it deals with this sister who struggled with her color complexion in her book, in, in her book, and, and, and it was a teenage sister who was growing up and she was finding herself through her history but um, was going through a, a lot of a, um, harassment and bullying in her own school, but she finally arrived at a point where she started to appreciate the skin that she inherited and that she was in. And Robin Hickman um, pushed that into a, a large-scale, um, I would even say national movement, to um, um, promote brown-skinned sisters, and not only just brown-skinned, but all African-descended sisters, regardless of your shade, but highlighting the core of brown-skinned sisters so that they can feel comfortable with their um, their, their skin, with their heritage, with their, their ethnic features and makeup and 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 being able to create a barrier and affirmation of their own selves as it pertains to what society tends to tell them what they look like. Um, so I think there's been some, you know, some some beautiful efforts that corroborates with what you're saying that we need an internal campaign that promotes black lives or black complexion matters as a people. You know, black complexion matters. Um, and it's not just black complexion, meaning, again, dark instances, but, you know, black complexion matters as a whole, regardless of what right. state. And we're not going to allow um, Hollywood, we're not going to allow um, the music industry, we're not going to allow the fashion industry, and we're not going to allow any other commercial industry to define what beauty looks like to black people. And and that's the main thing. You know, that that's the problem when you allow pop culture to have such an influence over you as a people uh, we've 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 kind of, in my opinion we've kind of taken out the legs of a lot of the things that influence us as a people that uh allow affirmed who we were for popular culture and that is what that's what hurts us as a people a popular culture mm-hmm. is for sale Anybody can buy into it. I mean, hey, you can be Iggy Azalea from Australia sounding like you're from Atlanta. So what what does that do? Well, that means that if there's some young girl in Atlanta that's rapping, you know, she probably can do the same thing Iggy Azalea can do, but it'll never happen. Uh, Iggy's already filled that market. And who brought Iggy alone? It was a brother. And the one thing that I'll say about all this thing with the complexion, the, the complexion things is that we have to stop cheerleading things that are harmful to us as a people. That's that's really the biggest problem that we have is the cheerleading that we do. Uh, you know, when like I said earlier, when people are, uh, in, in, what Steve Coakley says, when people are imitating you, 
they are imitating you because they plan on replacing you. So if Iggy Azalea is imitating sisters, well, she doesn't expect no sisters to come after her. And if you critique her, well, hey, you a hater. Same thing with this light-skinned, dark-skinned thing. They love seeing us fight over this, this this thing. They love seeing us go to war with each other uh, based off of our complexions. And then we have this thing where we're, we're pointing the fingers at each other. And then they're sliding in the back door uh, with all the subliminal messages telling you, hey, we love you just for you. Uh, I don't know, brother, if you got a chance to see that movie, Dead White People. And uh, that, that movie, uh, oh, man, you got to check it out. I wish Brother O was on. Uh, you got to watch Dear White People, and then you got to watch Bill Duke's Light Girl, and it all come into play for you, and what I'm saying wow. is, uh, in the okay. movie Dear White People, they had this pro-black sister who was light-skinned. Now, now, now follow, follow this. She was leading brothers and sisters. Um, she was leading the, the, the student movement. Uh, she, she had all of them riled up and ready to go, but she had this secret. The secret was not only did she have, I believe, a white father, but she was screwing some white boy on campus. Wow. None of the black people knew. Now, it, it was it, it, it's real tripped out. And then was this dark-skinned sister. Real, you know, this dark-skinned sister, she was from the hood. She was from the struggle. I mean, this sister was supremely beautiful. Like, like just calling her beautiful just wasn't enough right she was she was gorgeous right I, when i say she was gorgeous man, wow you you would have said under any other circumstance she would have had to be the lead of this of this movie but she wasn't uh this sister she was self-hating she didn't like black folks if you will and um she was exploiting our people, and, and she was trying to get on reality TV. And they told her if she wanted to get on reality TV, man, she had to bring the drama. And uh, she decided to capitulate to the white, uh, to this white newspaper, which was a satire newspaper. And she decided to talk them into having one of those, you know, those, uh, those, those parties that we see happen on college campus too frequent, where they go with the white folks in afros and black paint. Oh wow! So she okayed it. But the point is uh, with the movie. If you once again we're dealing with the color issue. Here's this light skinned pro black sister who's on this show. She's light skinned, uh she's short, she's strong, she's on the radio, everybody's listening to what she says all day. She got brothers, sisters, they're following her, they made her president of their uh their, their, their hall. They're rocking with her. But she really wasn't feeling us that much. It gave her attention. But really what she wanted and who she was underneath, she was just some suburban girl, man, who really just wanted to be with a white guy. Wow. And wow. that's and that's what we're dealing with. And when we put these movies out like Dear White People, right, we have to ask ourselves what are we saying and, and, and look at the complexions. Look at, look at the complexions once again. This dark-skinned girl who's extremely beautiful, but she hates herself. A uh, uh, brother who has, uh, man, it's been tough for fathers. <laughs> the brother who has a father who's a, 
I want to say he was a dean at the school, but he he didn't want him. Uh, he didn't want a brother with a black uh, woman. He wanted her. He wanted his son with the uh, pres the school's president, white daughter. So there's all kinds of dynamics going on there. And then he, uh, the son of the dean, starts uh, sleeping with the the sister who is dark skinned. And he really wants the sister. You can see, like, on the opening of the movie, like, where they bump into each other. He's, like, looking her up and down, like, hey, yo, this is what I'm talking about. This is this is heaven right here. And he's with the white girl, and, he, you know, and the white girl's his girlfriend, but he's looking at the sister like, whoa, 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 whoa. And um, in the end, even he plays the sister, the dark-skinned sister. So it, it, it's mm-hmm. something to see. Uh, we got the dynamic uh, couple, uh, the founders of Coma Day. We got them on the line now. Hey, greetings, family. How y'all doing? Greetings, greetings. This is Mon Show. We do the watch is soon to come. She's uh, in the room. All right, brother. Greetings to the family. Oh man, hey, uh, I'm glad to have you guys on. Me and brother Adrian both are. Uh, let me ask you, brother, uh, did you get a chance to check out uh, the Bill Duke's uh, show, uh, Light Flight Girls? No, not, I did not see that, and I also did not see Dear White People, but many people told me to check both of them out. So, you know, um, I'm going to make it my business to do it, um, you know, after this conversation. No, most deaf, most deaf. So, well, let's talk about colorism because black, hey, all black people are, all black people can can speak to that. We all either witnessed it or been victims uh, to it. Uh, in this, in this thing, uh, in in, in uh, this uh, light girls, it was a part in there where uh, Raven Simone was talking about uh, when she had her show. That's a Raven that she was forcing herself to go to the tanning booth uh, multiple times to get darker uh, because she was made to feel like she wasn't black enough. And, you know, I, I was I was trying to figure out if she was told to go to the tanning booth, was it black people telling her to go to the tanning booth or was it the white people telling her to go to the tanning booth? What do you think, brother? That's interesting. I, I remember the popularity of her show, although I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. You know, there's been right. – I go through phases because I was a little older, too. And at the time, she was really, you know, her demographic was more like my son's age at the time. So I was always encouraging young girls to watch anybody black. However, I, I, right. I had to be honest and, and say that I, I was going to see the content of the show to even really comment on her part of it. But I know, you know, we have a unique situation in our relationship and the, the parallel because. I'm a very dark-skinned brother who grew up in the hood and moved to the suburbs and went to school with predominantly white kids and, you know what I mean, at a point in my life, dated white girls and all that. You know what I mean? Just just crazy. Um, right. My wife is very light in the hood for the, for the primarily of her, you know, the, the, the entirety of her school Time, but she moved around to many different hoods throughout the country because her family was moving a lot, um, you know, so she had a very unique experience and really never came across um, white people in mass, you know, but ironically dated one also. So we have a, we have, and then, then we, you know, we present as a couple as a very dark dude and a, and a, and a, and a light sister. 
So, right. you know, we, we've had conversations often, you know, from our experiences as individuals up until the point that we came together and what we get sometimes as the Acoma House Initiative moving across the country and the world talking about relationships and, you know, the power of black love and how we're received as a couple who is light and dark. And, right. you know, I can, I can sp- first speak for myself where, you know, colorism for me was intrinsically tied into racism because, you know, as as being a dark person like I am, it ain't no out. You ain't getting out. You ain't crossing. You ain't, you know what I mean? Even if you adopt um, white tonalities or vernaculars or whatever, as we called it back in the day, white speech. If you if you if you adopt if you adopt that, you know, I was at a time in the eighties, in the early eighties, in junior high, and in the late eighties in high school, where hip hop hadn't taken over yet. You know, all of that. So you wasn't winning on. You know, there was no social thing that was getting you over. However. Right. What you talk about in the movie, um, Dear White People, was so real when we were in a school that was, like, I would say 60%, 65% white and 35% black, where there was a lot of some of the people who was on the forefront of whatever their, whatever their thing they was wearing on their sleeve behind closed doors, the jump off was going on. So mm. that was happening with myself. Many of the brothers that I rode with, I mean, you know, we still, we was listening to Public Enemy and stuff like that that had just came out. But at that time, in our youth and immaturity, we wasn't turning down Becky, who wanted to jump off because she was curious about the, the uh, forbidden fruit. You know what I'm saying? And so, right. similarly, there was some sisters who was on, you know, you know, Ew, how could y'all date um how could you deal with a white girl? And I know you probably kissed her or whatever, you know, behind doors. But then at the same time, some of them was entertaining white boys. You know what I mean? Because we were thrust into a social environment where, like like the college environment can be, especially for black people who go to schools who aren't, you know, um, predominantly uh, black, you go, you go more times than not, you're going to be a minority at the school. And so – you know, you could be uh, the sister, the, the black midnight sister. Some white boy is going to pursue that forbidden fruit. And even the sister, sister, sister girl from the hood who's so down, if you're young enough and if you're impressionable enough, especially back at that time, you know, because I think right. hip hop has done so much um, to close that gap. But, you know, the forbidden fruit thing was like, I mean, you know, because my mom was straight on some don't bring them in here. Don't, you know, don't even try it. And I was like, man, please, because you, me and a white girl, but when the opportunity presented itself, and I was 16, 17, and a few years prior, I had went from, ew, look at his skin, to, oh, my God, look at his skin. You know what I mean? Right. And that was, it was nobody to help me navigate that. So I'll jump in, like, you know what I mean? But now I'm not, we ain't, we ain't being seen together you're not my girlfriend, I'm definitely not your boy, that kind of thing. But right. you know, mom don't get home till 6. So, you know, let's leave after lunch and get to my house or get to your house, you know what I mean? Most times my house because I was too scared to be in your house, you know what I mean? So I think that this right. colorism thing, it really plays out in so many ways within our families from the light skin, you know, the preferential treatment, 
and it, 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 it's real. It, it, it's really real. I went through a phase in the early 90s where I was only trying to date dark-skinned sisters. You know what I mean? I had a superficial hang-up where the sister got to be super dark. And when I dealt with a lot of them, so many of them were so damaged from the, the white supremacy that they wasn't even trying to, as you as you allude to in the picture, in the movie, they weren't really trying to identify with the blackness like that. They couldn't escape it, so they couldn't pretend that it wasn't there. But anything beyond that, I found a lot of times that mulatto sister or that young that, that yellowish sister, for lack of a better term, was was, you know, in my personal experience, and I'm not, not saying a broad stroke, but in my personal experience, a lot of them, especially on the college campuses, they were the ones who were they knew all the books, they read all the shit that they would they would they was the ones who were really, you know, rah rah with it. You know what I mean? And I, and and the some of the darker sisters that I had encountered, you know, there were a couple of them, but the overwhelming, like the Mama Africa kissed by the sun sister that I was like, wow. When I talked to her, she was like, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, skin is just skin, and, and, you know, just something that was very disarming to me. So I was like, oh, wow, you know what I mean? And so, right. so it, it, it really is, it really is an extension of, the abuse that we've received psychologically and the the, the self-image in, in, in trying to navigate to be comfortable in your own skin in a hostile environment that, that tells you subliminally and overtly that you're ugly and that you're less than. So, you know, that, that that's some of my experience. And I know uh, Washa was just here. She just walked out. She, she gave me the, wait one second, she's coming right back. So um, I'm going to be right. interested to hear how she she breaks it down in her experience because um, she shared over the years, she shared many things with me that was like, wow, you know what I mean? I, I can relate. And then some stuff I tell her, I can't even relate to that, you know? Um, so, you right. know, I, you know I, I mean, what did I miss so far? What, what, you know, what is the, what is the, you know, what is the consensus, you know, or what is the. Oh, well, well, our consensus is that we know that there's something that light skinned people in general have, has gone through. But mm-hmm. it's about the severity of it, uh, you know, because and, and who's really behind this push? Uh, we were right. talking about uh, how on the show they were talk. A lot of uh, the people who were on there were saying uh, that they they wondered, uh, like uh, Kim Whitley was wondering, was she overcompensating because she was light skinned for having all this African art inside of her home? Was she just overcompensating because she didn't feel like she was black? Right. And then other people were saying uh, that they felt uh, like, uh, you know, they, they, they felt bad because they've always, they always ask, you know, you're not 100% black. What do you have in you? Are you black? Are you right, not right, black? Right. And right. then we had situations where there were some people on there who uh, were, uh, who I'll use what, what, what the greatest society, I shouldn't say the greatest society, the dominant society use so-called mixed. We had some, right. some so-called mixed folks on there who were calling them didn't want to be called black uh right. because of the fact that they have native american history uh, ancestry irish ancestry or what have you so right. you you have a lot of stuff there where some are upset that they're questioned you know what's their right. ethnicity and then right. you had some who were like hey accept me I'm black I'm every, you know I, I'm not just black I'm right. everything and right. uh to me 
<clears throat> what I what I was telling Brother Adrian, I was saying that the, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed was they're worried about people questioning the ethnicity and uh, the, what darker-skinned people have to deal with uh, is dealing with the dominant culture, stopping them from being able to, to, to advance as far as in the workplace, to be able to have housing, how their police systematically uh, picked off because of their complexion. Right. Uh, and to me, if we really want to, you know, you know, be real about it, uh, a light-skinned sister will have more flavor amongst brothers than a dark-skinned brother or sister would have walking into some white corporation trying to get a job. If you don't come out sounding like Brian Gumble in your right. first five words, right. more than likely you won't get the job, and you better have a name like Bill Lewis, <laughs> something that they feel so comfortable with, because your hue is your hue is threatening to them, and I don't believe that. Um, I just don't, in my opinion, now I'm open to saying I, I could possibly be wrong, but I just don't, I, I can't, I can't put that equation on equal ground with what we go through systematically versus what we deal with internally. Right. Oh yeah. No question. No question. No question. And I, and, and I would agree to, I would agree with you and even say this, being that kid, you know, I wasn't the, only black kid. But like I remember on my block when I first moved to the suburb, you know, that is half and half now, maybe even more black. But 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago when we moved there, it was white. And there was another black family on our street, but we used to always say they were so light that if you drove past their house fast enough, you would have thought they were white. Well, my mm. family is brown, but of me, my mom, my dad, and my sister, which which made up our secular family, I am the darkest. And, okay. I, you know, like, I I would even go so far as to say, even in sports, even in, when you look at um, Stuart Scott, Bless the Dead, Stephen A. Smith, anybody, anybody, like, I mean, Eddie Murphy, until Wesley Snipes came along, Eddie Murphy was the darkest you were going to get. You know, I mean, you didn't, I mean, there isn't, even still to this day, you can count on one hand, sports and newscasting or in motion pictures, anybody who's darker than Denzel, who has risen to some kind of status of, of you know, uber success or the bar type of success in, in, in their respective, respective field. If white supremacy is based on genetic annihilation, and I wholeheartedly believe it is, then the darker male is the target of that system. So the darker the male right. is, if he has the potential to genetically annihilate skin whiteness, he is right. out of things more than anyone else. And so whenever they try to demonize any of us, they make us darker as men, especially. You know, you don't see it as much with the, with the sister. Now, to your point, and my wife just came in, and I'm going to let her, let her add on, but to your point, this racially ambiguous, I'm light-skinned, you know, sometimes I got the curly hair like my wife who wears natural hair, but 
you may have the straight hair and you look like, you know, one of my boys said, yo, where do these rappers get their girlfriends from? Because they all look <laughs> like they go to the same store and buy the same girl. You know what I mean? Like they all are like, it's not one of them. You know, we from hoods all over America, and there is a cinnamon chocolate girl group of girls in every hood that are like dimes, but nobody has one of them girls. Everybody right. has this, like you have to ask her, you know, just straight black folk talk. Like what? What? So what? What are you? You know what I mean? Like, what, <laughs> and, and now I've watched my wife get that question. It's, you know, 15 years being together, I watched her get that question a thousand times. And I even get it when we send out press pictures and stuff like that. So, you know, is, is, is one of her parents white? You know, I'm like, nah. Was one of, uh, you know, her dad's from Puerto Rico. But, but Thomas, he's like your complexion. It's her mom who's from the South who's, who's light. But she, for some reason, she ain't even as light as my wife is. And, and, you know what I mean? But... When we say her dad's from Puerto Rico, they're like, oh, oh see, I knew it was something. And I'm like, no, nah, this is, this, this, he's a Moreno. He's black. He's an African. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's in the land of Puerto Rico, but he's dark. He's way darker than what you're thinking. So, you know, right. and they're like, oh, oh. So, you know, we, we get that. We get that a lot. And I even see when we go out and we talk, and I'm talking a lot of times to females about what we're about, and cultural relevancy, and it's received one way. And then I'm like, you know, me and my wife are doing certain things, and da, 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 da. And then some of the sisters, I'm talking about the sisters now, when I show them a press picture or just a picture of us, everything I said now has more validity because I'm with this light-skinned girl that has curly, long hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, I'm, and I, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, well, you know, you wasn't feeling what I was saying prior to that. Or she'll the she'll get the superficiality. Oh, that's cute. You want to be black, and then she shows a picture of me, and they're like, "Oh, oh, okay, so y'all really black?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so we have that experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it's, right, it's funny. Right. But she's here now, so I'm gonna let her add on. All right, go ahead. Just talking about color. How you doing, sister? Hey, how are you? I'm I'm happy I'm to I'm doing great. Talk to you. Ask her if she black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know, I'm sure I, I had to step out of the room for a second, but I always say, you know, of course I am light skinned. Of right. course, you know, that issue of when people do ask I've learned in my older age to just say I'm black <laughs> and not to go right. into well, I do have a parent from because people still don't understand that there are black people in the Caribbean, in the islands, and all over the world, just because you name right. a, a country or a continent does not mean that the person that you're talking about is white. So I've learned to just say black. But when I was younger, of course, my maiden name is a, a Latino-sounding name. So in school okay. and in college, I definitely had those issues of what are you, which I think sometimes people, you can't qualify victims of racism, in my opinion. Now, I am a light-skinned woman saying that, but I, I believe that you're either a victim or you're not. And sometimes, you know, you have your experience with anything, and you want to say right. my experience is harder than yours, or my experience, it happens all the time in relationships. You know, you you upset me, but you upset me more. And you can't really qualify those kinds of things because 
the issue is really racism and white supremacy. Right. Because if I was a a light-skinned woman, but I didn't talk the way that I choose to speak, I would have a different, people would react differently to me also. So there's a certain measure, there's a lot of qualifiers that say you can halfway, you know, participate on this side of this racism system. And that has to be, are you attractive, you know, are you light-skinned? Was your hair? Because if I was light skinned with a different kind of hair texture, that's one issue. That right. a lot of Lat- a lot of black Latino people deal with that issue. You can be dark skinned and have straighter hair, and you're more accepted than if you're light skinned with, you know, more of an Afro hair. You know, so there's a lot okay. of different kinds of qualifiers that I think sometimes right. women have different kinds of issues. So I don't believe that. I I think you can benefit when it comes to certain things that you can pinpoint. Maybe like a job or maybe like a promotion, but those Mm. things are not a benefit when you're still under the system of racism and white supremacy. When you're aware that there's racism and you know what it is, it's still not a benefit to get the promotion and be among them more. (laughs) Right. And it's not really a benefit to then have, you know, um, the challenge of you're not black enough but you're a little mm. bit less black, so you can kind of come over here. That's an odd right. thing to not feel included in any group either way. So I definitely right. see it as a woman with the, the natural hair movement, darker-skinned women, brown-skinned women, women who are darker than me but have longer hair than me or straighter hair than me, are far right. more considered you know, acceptable or exotic or beautiful just like Masha was talking about, you have a black parent and an Asian parent. Maybe your hair came out straight, but you're still brown skin. You're more exotic and beautiful than a girl who's light skin but has a big afro, or a girl who's right. more earthy. You know, so I think it's a lot of qualifiers. And what we mm. have to do is not. We can't have conversations. I didn't see light girls, and I didn't see. I saw excerpts of them, but I think that right. we can't isolate things in our conversation. Right. Because it's not about, you know, dark girls is a real serious issue, and I think that we should definitely talk about it, but not in absence of the system of racism and white supremacy. You know, dark girls don't just have an issue for some reason. Right. It's because of racism, you know, and light girls, you know, like is the rebuttal in a way because you don't want to leave your story out. So we don't just have an issue. We have an issue because of racism and white supremacy. So sometimes you remove the real culprit, when we're having our conversations between ourselves, we remove And we end up going, like, playing tennis. You know, we're hitting the ball back and forth. Well, I have it worse. And then what about me? Well, at least you got a promotion. Well, at least you got this. Well, at least you. And then we never really talk about who is observing the game or who set up the court. Right. (laughs) No, and and that's major. That's made it. Sister Lanisha, she chimed in. She said the fakest thing about the documentary, she said, we're talking about light girls. She said is that it never acknowledged that there was a moment where the light-skinned sisters flipped their hair and thought they were prettier, better. That was a thing, and it was never acknowledged. And I, I think that when you, uh, you know, when you when you really look at the, these documentaries, that the one thing that I don't like about the documentaries was it didn't steer, uh, in my opinion, the, the the watchers into the right place. It didn't point out the root of the issue. They mentioned it a few times. They said, well, uh, 
you know, really it happened in slavery. Now we're just doing it to ourselves. And it's like, no, we're not just doing it to ourselves. Right, right. It's subconscious things that are happening. That's true. You know, and it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of truth to to that. You know, I, I think, you know, we do that in a lot of ways, though. We do it about hair. We do it about body size. We do mm. it about height. You know, like a lot of times people are not happy with what they are. So, you know, there are a lot of light-skinned women, brown-skinned women, dark-skinned women who will still go get weaves that don't look like our texture of hair. So I think that a lot of, you know, when a light-skinned woman, if she has straighter hair and pushes her hair back and thinks she looks pretty, we have to say that a dark-skinned woman who goes out to get the same kind of hair also thinks she looks prettier when she does that. So now it's a matter of both women think that that style looks pretty. You're just saying, I'm going to go purchase it. Another person is saying, I'm going to do my my own hair like that. But the real issue is why do you think that that looks prettier to begin with? Whether it's your natural hair or whether you're you're adding on, uh, many many the hair business would not be a billion dollar business if the majority of us didn't feel that way. Mm. No, and that, and that's definitely true. And not to mention, we, we talk about industries, the skin bleaching industry that has taken off. Right. Well, we have so many sisters trying to bleach their skins to get lighter, and right. you know that. I I was wondering, you know, when was that going to be, you know, part a larger part in the in the in the conversation of the show of the uh, documentary, because to me I I think that speaks to a lot of the ills as well, and it's and 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 I, and I agree with you saying it's not we can't put blame on dark skinned girls or light skinned girls, they're not they're not the problem, dark skinned males and light-skinned males, they're not the problem. The White supremacy is the issue. White supremacy is the one that's putting the sticker that gives the value on your complexion or on your uh, command of the English language or on uh, your hair texture or on your features. Are, you know, do you, are your features too Negroid? Uh, uh, you know, do you have thin lips? Well, if you got thin lips and, and you talk to Queen English, man, we can throw you on MSNBC. Right. <laughs> You're less threatening. You know, right. do you have the right name? <laughs> are you Don? <laughs> yeah, well, Don Lemon, hey, we can take Don Lemon. You can't be Donald. <laughs> you got to be Don. We can accept right. Don, you know, but we can't accept Donald. That just sounds too much. That, that just right. sounds too crazy. And right. uh, that those are the things that I wish Brother Bill Dukes and others would focus more in on because right. I feel like what happens is we get these superficial documentaries on things, and then we say as a collective, well, we tackle that issue, or we're done talking about those things. Just like what we have with the movies. Anytime, you know, a Selma comes out, or 12 Years a Slave come out, first thing you hear people saying is, well, I'm tired of these movies. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, well, I didn't know that we had like 10 of them coming out a year. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Well, I thought, I was actually in um, one of the groups that someone, I think, posted an article maybe about the light-skinned man and the dark-skinned man, which I thought was very, very interesting. I don't know who put it up, but I want to say we might have commented on it because I think it was such a great point 
a lot of times, just like the hair business, you know, men spend a lot of money, you know, taking care of themselves. But there's a tone, even for the documentary, that makes it more accessible to talk about how the women feel and how the women treat themselves and each other. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's definitely, you know, in the in the global, you know, black dialogue, we do need right. unification between the men and the women, light skin and dark skin, to say that this is our black issue. Racism right. is the biggest black issue. But when you point to the women and say the women spend a whole bunch of money on their hair, and when you point to the women and say you're doing this to each other, but really, we're doing it so that the men find us more attractive. The men's opinion of what's beautiful is absent from the woman's conversation. So mm. if the men are saying the light-skinned women are prettier, the women with longer hair are prettier, then if, right. we, if men are not saying you look great in your natural hair, but I'm complaining when you have a weave because you don't want to get wet, you don't want to take your hair out, we can't, you know, get intimate without you having a little sweat and messing up your hairstyle. If the men right. don't say anything, then the women, it's kind of like you could just point and make fun of the women for their cattiness or their little issue. But behind You're the right. scenes, just like white supremacy, behind the scenes are what we think that our men are attracted to. So like Masha said, if all the men, not all of them, because we all know statistically black men date black women, but if a lot of the right. black men that we see are with the black Asian woman and we just mm. this has this ambiguous, you know, look about her that's brown and exotic and everything else, then that's what we're gonna try to look like. Because that's what we think that is beautiful and for our man. For our our men think that we look good. Now most black men will say that black women like a dark skinned guy. There's actually tons of jokes that light skin is over and light skin dudes be like dot 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 and all those jokes that you see online right. and you know, those memes about Prince and everything else. <laughs> right. Women will say dark skinned men look great. And there's a push for men promoting black women, but I'm just saying in general, looking at magazines, right. looking at what you think is fashionable, even going to the salon, even for false you know, like wear wearing weaves and, and adding on hair, a lot of the visuals are Maybe brown skin, like a knee long and lighter. Right. So what does well, that mean? Well, you know what? Here's, here's what's amazing. We haven't figured out how to say, even if the so-called dominant society wants their Beyonce, that we are cool with having the Beyonce up there with India Ari. We can you you can give us Halle Berry, but yo, we cool with having Angela Bassett too. We're cool with having Nia Long, too. Uh, right. we, we can take them all. We we could take, you know, uh, the sister from uh, 12 Years a Slave. Yo, she's beautiful, too. But you know right. what? Any other light-skinned sister that come through, yo, she's beautiful, too. We can have them both at the same time, and we don't need y'all approval of our what we deem as beautiful. We don't need your approval. Matter of fact, not only don't we need your approval, we don't even need your imitating of what we perceive as beautiful. We... Um, I remember uh, being young and uh, in, in the 90s uh, listening to rappers, and I remember rappers used to say all the time, man, I don't want no woman with breast implants. That I, I remember watching Tretch from Naughty by Nature saying, I don't want no jelly in my belly, man. I can't mess with that stuff. 
Right. And I remember all brothers, like, being on there, like, all that fake stuff, man, we ain't with it, we can't roll with it. And all of a sudden now, it's an entire industry. <laughs> right. 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 And like you were saying, brother, with, with the with the cookie-cutter girlfriends and wives. Right. Where, right. you know, they all look like Pocahontas, if you will. Right. Like, where do these brothers find these sisters? And, you know, uh, why is it her? Why can't it be uh, that naturally curved sister or the sister with the natural hair, uh, not the, the, the sister that you had to pump $10,000 into on the first night just so her butt can look appealing? Or, uh, you know, you, you, you're fixing her breast. Uh, like Floyd Mayweather said uh, with with Miss Jackson uh, that he was going out with, he said, "Oh, I, I pumped in over a hundred thousand dollars into her." It's like, well, brother, use a fool for that because uh, you pretty right. much you you pretty much invested into a Barbie doll, and what you should have done was found somebody that you connected with spiritually and emotionally with before you right. started trying to connect with the physical. Hey, I'm, I, and I agree with you. Like you know, I'll go so far as to say in the most like in the south and northeast of America, I never see those girls in mass. I only see them on television. So I don't know where they come from, and that's no insult to any black sisters who look like that. I just don't know where they come from. But everybody who's on got one of them. So (laughs) I think that's interesting. But I think that, in my opinion, the... Here's the bottom line issue. In order for us to get to a place where we accept blackness for blackness and the multiplicity of what it is, we right. have to defeat we have to defeat white racism. Mm. We cannot, you know, and I used to tell my white air quote friends that you can't be beautiful and I'm beautiful in this place. In America. So Mm. I often say, especially in a mixed room of white people and black people, I often say, I pull this trigger. One of us has to be the standard of beauty because we can't, the biggest joke and the biggest charade that we're playing is that everybody's beautiful in a country that is dominated by white supremacy. Stop saying Mm. that. Stop saying that. And so I think that the problem is, we're never like you can't let let the multiplicity of blackness be while you're subjugated under white supremacy. So the only way, you know, um, um, Tracy Ellis Ross and Lupita Nyong'o are both beautiful is white supremacy has to be killed mm. because as long as um, Tracy Ross is beautiful and she's able to advance a certain way, here's this sister won an Oscar, you ain't really seen her in nothing. Right. She don't have a lead role in nothing. But then Tracy Ellis Ross is on a show called Blackish. Why she ain't on that show? Because to your point about the documentary and to the larger point, for us to really talk about Blackish is only relevant in comparison to Whitish. It's not if if whiteish didn't exist, blackish or skin colorism and all that, it wouldn't even be relevant because we produce all skin colors. Mm. So when if you look at me and my biological sister, 
is two shades darker than my life, and we have the same mother and the same father. You know what I'm saying? And so, it, it, you know, you 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 really can't you really can't you know we really can't deal with this issue no matter how we try to avoid defeating white supremacy. It is the only relevant agenda that we should have in any work, any walk of life that you find yourself. Entertainment, education, fashion, whatever it is, you have to defeat this beast or you, you know, for as much as you try to say what I'm doing is over here and I'll get back to that during February or whenever it's relevant when somebody get murdered, the fact of the matter is, it's present 24-7-365. And until we defeat it, our children will face it in the schools. Uh, you know, we, you know, our brothers are facing on the street. It even becomes, um, you know, like Nawash was saying, you alluded to, it, it, it's jokes within our, within our, um, the infrastructure of our community. And I've been guilty, man. I, I, I jumped up and down when, uh, when uh, Wesley Snipes and that whole uh, train of brothers that came in the early '90s, late '80s. It was, and I'm a Prince fan. It was the death of Prince. I'll be sure. All them cats. I was so happy to see them cats go. But when a brother like me stands up and say, "Well, I got three sons. Two of my sons are light. One is dark. Right. Looks like my twin." When a brother like me stands up and say to uh, Christopher William Cats, "Light skin is over. It's dead. It's never coming back." That's just as insensitive, and I have said that. I'm going to keep it 100. <laughs> right. Right. That's just as insensitive as, you know, a sister who may look the complexion of my um, of my wife saying something insensitive to a dark-skinned sister. You know what I'm saying? So this stuff still, it, 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 it's pervasive because white supremacy still exists, and it's not mm. going to be, it's not going to be dismantled. Until white supremacy is dismantled So, you know, we say You know, even through the act of love And everything The ultimate path to our freedom The shortest point between A and B Is just to end white supremacy Our our relationships will benefit Our entertainment will benefit Our self-image Our money problems, et cetera, et cetera Our spirituality You know what I mean? Because like you said Accepting a sister for her spirituality Right, I used to deal with these sisters when I was like from like eighty nine to ninety four. I was on this like yo, you. When I saw that sister in school days, Spike Lee school days, I had the phone. Right. My my crush was Phyllis Yvonne Stickney. If anybody knows who that is, right. Um, I, I was so fascinated. Victoria Dillard, um, Tyra Fowl from Boys in the Hood. Those are like to me. I was fronting like they're the only pretty black women. Nobody else is pretty. Right. You know what I mean? Because I was overcompensating. And I dealt with a lot of them sisters, man. I, I would date them. And, you know, I'm not going to say they was running from blackness, but it was them sisters that was like, you know, that 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 mulatto-looking sister, she ran everything, she knew everything. This is just my personal experience. Of course, I'm not saying this is not, you know, this is not everyone, but what I'm saying is what I found was that those darker sisters, you know, they were definitely proficient in whatever their their education was about or whatever, but they received the kickback from trying to be too black. 
you and you're already black as midnight. You know what I mean? You just be good at something and be beautiful right. and all that. But you, they wasn't the ones talking, quoting from books and, you know what I mean? They wasn't them sisters, man. Them sisters was just, they were just really beautiful, sweet people who were like, you know, I'm they just trying to make it. Consciousness. Right, 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 right. And they, and, and I even think some of them purposely, from my personal experience again, they stayed away from that. They stayed away from that. They stayed away from being the ultra conscious. So then I was like, well, damn, how come all these yellow girls are like, um, you know, um, uh, Malcolm X's daughter or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, I, right. I, couldn't, I couldn't understand it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, we're in New Jersey. We're right between Philadelphia and New York. So we were in the epicenter of the Northeast of consciousness of, you know, all the major universities. And I'm telling you, I was at all of them. And, and during that time in the early 90s when the, lecture, the black consciousness lecture circuit was like 10 times the way it is now, I came across thousands of these sisters. And it was always this sister who kind of looked like Nawasha does that was like, you know, brother, you should read this book, and you should da-da-da-da-da, When I was coming across the darker sisters, their consciousness was in retaliation to the beauty thing, but it kind of stopped there. You know what I mean? It, it was just like, you know, and I'm beautiful too, and black is beautiful, but I found it because I was really, you know, I in, in, in my arrogance, I thought I was super conscious, so I was looking for that sister, and I didn't find her in the darker sisters. It was just, I'm going to wear my hair natural, and then when I get out of college, you know, I'm going to stop that, and then, you know, I'm going to get a job, and, you know. But it was this this brown sister who was like, this light brown sister who was like, you know, oh, he's the devil. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I was like, ooh. You know, so, and then the last point that I would make is that I saw also, and I don't know if this was your experience, for me being dark, and I'm darker than you, uh, but I, I but I see like me and your wife are in the same color complexion. The people who came on to me the most were the white girls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you was getting this mixture of the dark girls, you know, you cute or whatever, but you know, it was it was the swallow baby um, hang up and all of that that I was seeing. Now this was twenty years ago, so hopefully right. we've changed a little bit. But when I look around, I, I, I'm always like I always joke around how interracial couples can always. How is it that they always show up the the um, the place where all the interracial couples be at? You know what I mean? I mm. think that's a fun thing when you go somewhere they're all together. Well, what I used to see in my, like, my early adulthood, like, my early 20s, every dude who was dark-skinned kind of, like, had this light-skinned girl. Like, I can't remember a, I'm talking about black like me, that looked like a cell phone black with a cell phone black girl. You know what I mean? This girl was always, or just the opposite, that, that super chocolate girl, she always had Christopher Williams. You know, mm. I'll be sure. You know, she didn't have, she didn't have, she wasn't with like Denzel, or you know what I'm saying. She wasn't with that dude. She was always right. with, you know, the Fresh Prince or lighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? She, she was 
that dude. You know, so I, I, I noticed that. And, you know, at a point, I just said, look, I, I came to the realization that we just got to defeat this beast called white supremacy, racism, white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, I'm confident that some of this stuff will fall into play, but I don't believe that it will. Like, we can set this to the side, like you said about the documentary, because this is the source of it. So until right. we root this source, we really can't effectively deal with it. So that's, you know, that's my take. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop it right there because that's what we need to pause it at because that's what it is. It is about defeating white supremacy and, and what you're saying is real. I would say, man, everything you just broke down was inside of their white people. And I want to say clumsily the director of the movie, he didn't point that out. And um they didn't they didn't they didn't draw that correlation of why is it the light skinned sister, you know, more militant. And you know, I saw a documentary about that before where it showed that even amongst his African American leadership that we uh, sometimes thrust our light-skinned brothers and sisters to the forefront. They're the ones right. that spit a lot of that fire. And even when we have those fire spitters like a Marcus Garvey, look how he was rejected and how right. people made fun of him because of his hue. Or Khalid Muhammad, uh, you know, how he uh, was was viewed upon because of his hue and being this uh, dark-skinned brother and spitting his fire, how he was uh, seen as more of a threat. So uh, we, we have this issue, and you're right, we got to defeat uh, white supremacy because that is the that is the tent that right. we got to break everything else from up under. I want to thank you all for coming on as well as Brother Adrian Mack. Uh, I, I came on late, so don't worry about being late. I was late here in uh, Siberia, better known as Minnesota. I had a lot of snow out there, and uh, oh. it took me an hour and a half to get home. So that's why I came on late uh, for my listeners. Okay. If you if you feel like hey you was on for fifteen twenty minutes and I wasn't here, I apologize to you. It was just that you know I got caught up in Mother Nature. But I want to thank y'all too, man. I gotta have y'all back on. I, I want y'all to pick the topic so I can have y'all on to do y'all thing because I appreciate what y'all what y'all are doing. Um, you know what I would love to see. I would love to see uh, the Acoma Day initiative, and we can put something together in Minnesota before I go, because I'm hey, leaving brother, in uh, next year. We, we need to put something together. Hey, you talk, you talking that language? We talked about um, the Washer showed me what y'all doing in Las Vegas, and we talked about trying to get there because we on this campaign saying from Facebook friends to real friends, and right. you know we got about ten people out there in the country that we really really respect, and you know we love y'all so. Y'all on that list, so you know anything y'all do, we trying to be a part of it. Um, we would love to you know if when when you your next show, we always try to support you. And you know, like right. I told you here, you already know. You just all if we can't do it, it's only because of scheduling. That's it. Any other right. than that, you can just you can put us on the bill and tell us we on it. We we there for you, brother. And um, we got a real good conversation that we want to get into um, about the uh, um the uh, black consciousness and um sexual freakism how it mm. how it how it goes together or not <laughs> and mm. so um we're working on a new book with that and um you know we always promoting the virtues and principles of a coma day um you know and and, and that season is coming up we're moving all around the east coast doing doing things this uh in the next couple of weeks 
and our celebration is on uh, on the first day of a coma day, which is February 14th, which is also Valentine's Day. And we we really the last last several years we've been trying to run parallel. Now to my earlier point about killing racism, white supremacy, we're really now picking up the pressure and saying to our people, we gotta kill this Valentine's Day thing. We gotta kill it. Because right. similarly, a coma day will not be seen in its light as long as we're saying, hey, you could choose a coma day or a Valentine's Day. I mean, ultimately, that is your choice, but our language is about to change and just say, look, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. Now, we, we said it. You shouldn't be doing it. You should be doing a coma day. And, 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 and let us really break it down for you why. So, you know, so whatever, whatever you want to talk about, that's important to us. So we're there. Um, you know, I, we're man, there you know what? That, that, that freakism in, in consciousness. I like that conversation. <laughs> does it go? Does yeah, that go yeah, together? Yeah, 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 brother. Because it's it's real. And I had said this to Dr. Umar. You know, um, we was doing something with Dr. Umar, and we were talking about. I was talking about how hot he is on the cultural scene, and he right. took a picture with my wife. And I was like, "Yo, you got to take the same kind of picture with me." And he was like, yeah, man, because, you know, he's, I said, one of the reasons outside of his brilliance and his work ethic that he's so hot around the country, he's booked into the middle of 2016. They even bringing a brother to uh, Antarctica or somewhere, uh, somewhere. Oh, wow. just, it, I'm like, wow, it's black people out there. But he was joking with me, and he said, man, some of the sisters out here, like the whole front row at the event we were at here in our hometown, nobody bought a book. They didn't buy a lecture, but they were signing autographs and taking pictures with the brother. And I'm like, yo, bro, you got to get married, man. So we was going back and forth with him, and that, that little thing uh, that we put up on date, dating really came from that conversation. But he was telling me that sisters be coming at him like, uh-huh, I know you like that girl. Because he said, is this one sister that is always critiquing the way he takes pictures? And she said she can tell whether he 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 digging the sister or not by the way she takes pictures with him. And so I was telling him oh, when wow. I was coming up, I, I got out of the bar scene, club scene. I, li- I liked hip-hop and I liked house music, but I, I really wasn't in the club scene like that. My right. club, my singles club, was the black lecture circuit. Dr. Oh, ben, wow. Dr. Henry Clark, um, Ishimuka Barashango, Francis Class, all of when they was coming to New York or Philly, man, you could go there and score. You know what I mean? You get your, you, you press your little dashiki, get your, get your right. thing together. You know what I'm saying? And that right. thing was like, man, that that thing, you know, it, it was like, boy, look, you know, I, I personally roll with Khalid. You know what I mean? And and I spent some right. time with him. When that black shiny haired black man would come around. It was just you know how the you know how the uh the rap star, his boys come around and they they get the gravy. And you know, right. I can get some gravy off of Khaled. Where where you going, Khaled? I'm rolling with you. We going to Philly? Man, please. <laughs> and, and so I got this running joke with this one sister I used to see everywhere. She used to be like, You been in any great lectures lately? Because that was code for, you know what I mean, like where you gonna be, where I'm gonna be, who gonna be there, who gonna hook up. Right. And I mean it was a jump off. It was the jump-off scene, man. It wasn't oh, no different wow. than the club. It was just, uh, you know, twists and, and black powder fists. But it was still, you know, one, you know, one-night stand central. So, you know. Ooh, we gotta, man, you're going to make 
I'm going to have to post that as a topic in the, in the relationship group tonight. <laughs> yeah, because it's real, man, even still to this day, because we got this polygamy issue nobody really wants to deal with, and we right. outnumber it now, so we try to be morally and spiritually for the sisters who don't really, I mean, you go to church, you ain't going to find no men, really, unless they, they're gay or they're dipping on a wife. So right. this black consciousness movement attracts the men. And then you go there, and there's no rules of engagement. There's no Ma'atian law. It's just, right. you know, you could become a trick real quick in this scene. You know what I mean? Oh, because wow. all it takes is for you to, you know, sincerely be trying to look for somebody to hook up with. Don't know that he ain't sincere, but because he quoting four books that you didn't read, you're impressed. And then you find out he's an asshole just like anybody else. <laughs> oh so, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, man, it's real, it's real. So that's that's one of the things we 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 talking about, we speaking about a lot lately. You know, um, sexual freakism in the black consciousness movement. Mm, man, 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 yeah, that that's real. Now, now, just thinking about some of the places I've been and and the people I hung out with. Yeah, that is real. That is real. That is, that is. Um, Ooh, that's a sincere topic, and you know what? I, I, I tell you, it is almost like um, honey to you know honey uh, to to bees. If you yeah. have that uh, yeah. that knowledge yourself, and you go to those circuits, you are right. And yeah. I've I've noticed that the sisters who are you know supposed to conscience, uh, they're willing to get down too. Yeah, they're and willing I mean, to get like- down. Because they look the part, you know. It's people who look the part, not actually have yeah. have the actual parts, but they got yeah. every, you know, they got the hairstyle, they got the they got the yeah. clothes, they got yeah. the lingo. But you're right; it, it is like a singles bar. And the brothers, the brothers that I knew back in the day, when we when we got, because you know, from the rip, you had about twenty five percent of the the black women entertaining that polygamy conversation from the beginning. Man, right. it was orgies and all kind of stuff going on with onks on the wall and vegetarian products on the floor tied up with panties and all. I'm like, what the, what is this? You know what I mean? And it, 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 hey, right. Well, it was a real, it was a real, uh, a real subculture, you know, this black consciousness movement. And, and, and you know, like anything that we're into in mass, it definitely has its heights and its potential but a lot of it in practice is on that BS because, once again, it still happens under the umbrella of white supremacy while we're in this time. So until we until we end that, everything's affected. Mm, now, you're right about that, brother. Well, I, I definitely want to thank you all once again, and we will we will be having that show. Much love, <laughs> we, we, we. Hey man, love y'all too, family. Too. And for night. all my listeners out there, thank y'all once again. And I, I want y'all to it, uh, tell your friends and family check out a coma day. I, look, I was born on Valentine's Day. I don't celebrate it. We don't even celebrate it in my house. Uh, my wife's birthday is the day after. We celebrate us. We ain't got no time for that. Wow, wow. So we, you know, we rolling with a coma day. We supporting it. Uh, we're trying to get more of us to come up with more things like that, more initiatives, so we can narrate our story, uh, whether it's our relationship stories or anything else. So hey, if we're gonna attribute it, anything to love, let's do it with a coma day. Let's not do it with Valentine's Day. 
And uh, with that, family, y'all be easy. I got to get out here and shovel this walk. Life of Siberia. <laughs> much love to the Barry uh, clan. Much love. <laughs> all right, much love, family. Peace.